Well, some of us will get lesser rewards in heaven and others will get more rewards in heaven. So why this discrepancy? And won't this disparity cause eternal remorse in some and some level of strain and tension among all of us? Today's question comes from a listener named Alex who lives in Germany. Hello, Pastor John. You've talked about rewards in heaven in one of your answers to a listener's question. Episode number 417, Is God More Happy with Other Christians Than Me? There you mentioned that God rewards faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Does this mean that we may not be rewarded to a degree we could have been depending on our faith on earth? This question has been plaguing me since I listened to that episode. Would that not mean that God shows bias towards those with greater faith? I'm grieved because I'm unlikely to live up to the reward God may have planned for me and forever will be called the lesser to those with greater faith. Those thoughts feel poisonous to me. Is it only my envy and pride speaking, or is this something to be concerned about? Pastor John, what would you say to Alex? About 10 years ago, I recorded a section from Jonathan Edwards' sermon on Romans 2.10, which I think is one of the most beautiful, mind-expanding, heaven-displaying, scripture-opening, hope-awakening passages that I've ever read anywhere outside the Bible. Wow. So I want to do that again here and give it fresh exposure. Um, This comes from Volume 2 of the Works of Edwards, published by Banner of Truth. I wasn't able to find it in in uh, in the Yale work, so if it's there, maybe Tony can point you to it, but I... I looked for it today, and I couldn't find it. The reason I think this may be a helpful response to Alex is because he says, I think this is the key sentence, I I feel grieved that I am unlikely to live up to the reward God may have planned for me and forever be called a lesser compared to those with greater faith. Those thoughts feel poisonous to me. Okay, that's what I want to change. I want to remedy because I think there really are distinctions in reward in heaven and they're not poisonous and we're not going to feel envious or resentful. What this quotation from Edwards does is describe heaven with real differences between the saints, among the saints, because of real differences in holiness here and and yet a community of love in which those differences not only do not produce envy and regret, but actually function to produce the greatest happiness for the community as a whole. Edris has just made a lengthy argument before this text I'm going to read, he's just made a lengthy argument that the New Testament teaches, and I think he's right here, that there will be different rewards for different Christians. And if that sounds questionable, I encourage you to read the whole sermon. It's free online. I just typed into Google a few few minutes ago, Jonathan Edwards' sermon on Romans 2.10. That's what I typed into the Google search line, and bang, it was the first thing that, that came up, free online, right there in front of me. Now, here's the passage. I'll read it to you. So get ready. This sounds really different than anything you've ever heard, I predict. Christ tells us 
that he who gives a cup of cold water to a disciple in the name of a disciple shall in no wise lose his reward. But this could not be true if a person should have no greater reward for doing many good works than if he did but few. It will be no dampening to the happiness of those who have lower degrees of happiness and glory that there are others advanced in glory above them. For all shall be perfectly happy. Everyone shall be perfectly satisfied. Every vessel that is cast into the ocean of happiness is full, though there are some vessels far larger than others. And there shall be no such thing as envy in heaven, but perfect love shall reign through the whole society. Those who are not so high in glory as others will not envy those that are higher, but they will have so great and strong and pure a love to them that they will rejoice in their superior happiness. Their love to them will be such that they will rejoice that they are happier than themselves, so that instead of having a dampening effect on their own happiness, it will add to it. They will see it to be fitting that the ones who have been most eminent in works of righteousness should be most highly exalted in glory, and they will rejoice in having that done that is fittest to be done. There will be a perfect harmony in that society. Those that are most happy will also be most holy, and all will be perfectly holy and perfectly happy. But yet there will be different degrees of both holiness and happiness according to the measure of each one's capacity. And therefore, those that are lowest in glory will have the greatest love to those that are highest in happiness because they will see most of the image of God in them. And having the greatest love to them, they will rejoice to see them the most happy and the highest in glory. And so, on the other hand, those that are highest in glory as they will be most lovely, so they will be fullest of love. As they will excel in happiness, they will proportionally excel in divine benevolence and love to others and will have more love to God and to the saints than those that are lower in holiness and happiness. And besides, those that will excel in glory will also excel in humility Here in this world, those that are above others are the objects of envy because others conceive of them as being lifted up with it. But in heaven it will not be so. But those saints in heaven who excel in happiness will also excel in holiness and consequently in humility. The saints in heaven are more humble than the saints on earth. And still, the higher we go among them, the greater humility there is. The highest orders of saints who know the most of God see most the distinction between God and themselves and consequently are comparatively least in their own eyes and are so most humble. The exaltation of some in heaven above the rest 
will be so far from diminishing the perfect happiness and joy of the rest who are inferior that they will be the happier for it. Such will be the union of their society that they will be partakers of each other's happiness. Then will be fulfilled in its perfection that which is declared in 1 Corinthians 12, 22, If one of the members be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So, my encouragement to Alex is that you read the whole sermon, meditate on God's infinitely wise and loving ability to make you perfectly happy and perfectly holy in an age to come, even though some saints will be more and some less rewarded than you. It will be a perfectly happy world. What a gem of an excerpt. Thank you, Pastor John, for finding that and reading it for us. And uh, you're right. The, this sermon is in the Banner of Truth, two-volume edition of the works of Jonathan Edwards. It's in volume two, pages 888 to 905. But you're also right, it's not in the Yale editions of the printed works, and it's not even in the free Yale archive online. Seems a little bit odd to me, but it is available online. Just Google, just Google search what Pastor John used, uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon on Romans 2.10, and you should find it fairly easily. Thanks for making the Ask Pastor John podcast part of your day. Stay current with our episodes on your phone or device by subscribing through your preferred podcast app. You can now even listen through Desiring God's official YouTube channel. And if you'd like to search our past episodes, browse our most popular episodes, or send us a question, do those things online at uh, our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, it seems the Apostle Paul traveled at least 15,500 miles in his ministry, and around 8,700 of those miles were on foot incredible range for the first century. And we can Google map all those travels, but what can we learn from his travels for our missionary work today? It's a question next up on Wednesday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.